Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Kyle Reedhead, and we're going to learn how to create a sustainable business with Web3. If you've been wondering how in the world can I actually make ongoing revenue with NFTs and all the other stuff that's going on, you're going to absolutely love today's episode. By the way, I am recording this just after finishing the crypto business conference. You're going to notice my voice is a little more kind of messed up than normal because I've been hanging out with a lot of people and that typically happens after events. And for those that missed it, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I don't know if the recordings are going to be available to purchase when you hear this, but if they are, you're going to want to get it because people's minds were blown. We took a very awesome, progressive content arrangement of 14 different sessions, and people literally walked away saying it was one of the best experiences they've ever had. And I put on conferences. I've been putting on conferences for more than a decade, and there's really something special about this one. So just Google Crypto Business Conference to find out more. Not going to give you any links or anything like that. Anyways, I am at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Kyle Reedhead. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Kyle Reedhead. If you don't know who Kyle is, he's the co-founder of Impact Digital Marketing, a growth marketing agency that works with creators. He's also the co-founder of Web3 Academy, a media platform that helps businesses and creators understand how to use Web3. He co-hosts the Web3 Academy podcast. Kyle, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thanks, Michael. I am doing really well. I'm excited to be here and excited to chat all things Web3 and, and the creator economy. Well, I'm super stoked to have you on the show. Today, Kyle and I are going to explore how to create a sustainable business model with Web3. But before we go there, I would love to hear your backstory. How the heck did you get into this whole crypto Web3 world? Start wherever you want to start. I'd love to hear the story. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the rabbit hole stories are always fun in Web3 because it's it's always a bit a bit different. For me, I've been in the kind of digital, you know, creator economy, I guess, for for almost a decade selling online courses is where I started. I actually started selling physical courses many, many years ago. And then we were like, we should probably put this online. It makes a lot more sense. Physical as in like CDs and stuff? No, no. As in like traveling and going and doing a course, like an in-person course. Ah, okay. uh, 
And then we were like, why don't we just record this? And then we don't have to travel anymore. And what a game changer that was for a business. Anyway, so I've been involved in that for a long time. That's where my agency started from. And we mainly worked with just course creators for a while. And as I was doing that, I was also getting really heavy into investing. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be investing, I need to really understand what the heck I'm investing. I need to understand economics and so on and so forth. So about four years ago, I purchased some textbooks on economics and just started studying economics because when I get into something, I just, I really get into it. And so I started reading all these books. And then a buddy of mine that I met when I was in Mexico, I'm also nomadic. And uh, I met a guy in Mexico and he worked for Exodus. If you've heard of Exodus, they're like a, a non-custodial wallet. And I was like, what is going on in this space? Like I, it was already down in the bear market at this point and it was past everything that happened in 2017, 2018. But we went for dinner and he started explaining Bitcoin to me. And I was like, oh, I get this. This makes complete sense because I'd just been reading an economics textbook. So it made so much sense. And so he actually got me to download a wallet, sent me some ETH at the time. When was this? What year do you think this was? This was 2019. Okay. And so I, I started buying a little bit of it, but was still not really like, I started to understand Bitcoin. But I was like, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole. I started listening to every podcast, reading everything there was about Bitcoin, like kind of became obsessed with it. Uh, and which is funny because on Bitcoin, when you read about it, it's the same thing over and over again, right? There's just, there's 21 million of them. That's it. That's how much more you got to understand. Uh, but I kept hearing about Ethereum and I was like, what the heck is this Ethereum thing? I don't really get it. Like, I really need to go deep. And so in 2020 is when I was like, okay, I'm going to dive into this thing. And I started, again, reading everything I could on it and went deep down that rabbit hole. I feel like I didn't come out of my bedroom for like, you know, days. And finally I came out, I was like, holy shit, this is way bigger than just money. Like this is going to change business. This is going to change the way that we, you know, we do governance all around the world. It's going to change the way that we run business. It's going to change the way that we use the internet. And I was just like, I was mind blown. And so like Almost immediately, we started to pivot our marketing agency to be working with people to help them with Web3, or sorry, with, with creators in Web3 already. So newsletters in the crypto space. Web3 was still not really a thing back in 2020. It was like a kind of a newer term. So we started doing growth marketing for, for crypto newsletters and, and creators in the space. Share a couple of those creators that maybe we'd be familiar with that you were working with back then. Yeah, so it's a lot of the big newsletters in the space. So Bankless was our first one, actually, the first one that we went into. They were actually where I really learned a lot about Ethereum. And so I immediately contacted them. I was like, guys, you guys are writing amazing content. Like, let me show you how Web2 markets and like, let's grow you guys and get this thing big. And they absolutely blew up over the last two years. Others like Real Vision, Rex Capital, a bunch of the big newsletters in the space and kind of influencers in the space. Wow. That was really cool. And we loved that. And it's been fun. It's been a great journey. But we realized everyone was talking about the speculation of this stuff. No one was talking about like, how do we actually use this stuff in business? So that's when we were like, you know what? Maybe we should do that. We are the ones that understand content creation, understand this sort of creator economy. Like, let's create our own. So that's why we launched the podcast and the newsletter, Web3 Academy. When did that come out? This was just February of this year of 2022. And the idea was, let's not talk about markets. Let's not talk about speculation. Let's look at how are we actually going to use this stuff and sort of start to like ask the hard questions and break down all the crap that happened in 2020 and 2021. Like what's really here to stay from that and where can we innovate off that and what's like not going to make it, you know? And so that's been a fun, really fun journey. And we've been able to grow that and, and just really be able to speak to some smart people in the space. And that's really helped us kind of begin to become leaders in this space. And I wouldn't say experts because no one is an expert yet in this stuff, but it's, it's allowed us to really dive super deep. Well, and tell everybody kind of what you're 
doing now? Like, what is the newsletter? Like, maybe where it started and where it is now. I know these things evolve, but like, talk about the frequency of the newsletter, the kinds of things you talk about in the newsletter, just so people understand that. So there's a few, we have three different episodes. One is is just a deep dive. So it's myself, my business partner, co-host Jay, or someone from our team. We have a couple of writers who like really dives into a topic. Like when NFT royalties became a big thing, we're like, what's really happening here? And we just dove in. We you know, research as much as we could. And we wrote a big deep dive on it. And so that was an article. We also put that out as a podcast. So anytime there's a different thing that's going on in the space that we want to understand, we'll like, we'll go research it, dive deep, and we'll write an article on it. Then we have an interview. And this is looking at people who are building in the space, whether they've done something that has been good or not good. We don't care. We just want to learn, right? And so it's a lot of founders or builders or like, I don't know, see it. We just had the CMO of Arbitrum on the podcast. So it's like, People are really doing stuff in the space. We just want to learn what they're what they're learning. And then we have a, a roll-up on the end of the week where we just talk about the news, what are the big things that are happening, and kind of what's our takes on it. And who's the target audience for the newsletter? So it's it's really around entrepreneurs and creators are the main ones. And then also a lot of people are like in the business world already. So like in Web2 business that are thinking about transitioning and trying to maybe launch an NFT or do something with Web3. How can they do that? Those type of people as well are, are, are big on our on our audience. And are you covering NFTs, DAOs, social tokens, metaverse, or are you more on the financial side of it? I'm just curious. I know I read, but I forget. I can't exactly remember because I read a million different newsletters. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. So it's there's no markets. We try to stay out of markets as best we can. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it, but I try my best not to. It's mainly like NFTs, DAOs, metaverse, tokens, any of this kind of stuff. How are we going to use this in business? That's where really, so what's the utility of this stuff? And we don't talk about speculation. We don't talk about markets. I love it. I mean, we're so aligned with what we're trying to do here with this show. Right. Absolutely. This is awesome. And how are you guys making money? Just out of curiosity, like, do you have courses or sponsors or what's the deal with that? We didn't really focus on monetizing at all in the beginning. We just were like, let's just start. We just wanted to learn. So we're like, let's just start talking to people in the space and we'll just like, we'll produce that content and share it and we'll see where that goes. And right now we're just sponsorships is our main, is our main revenue source. We are building out a bunch of, we have a big community that we've built from this. They've actually launched the DAO as a result. So our community just tokenized out of nowhere. And they're like, we want to help you build. And so our audience from our podcast just launched a token called Web3 Academy DAO. The token is called Doer because they're a bunch of doers. They literally did it. They did it on their own. I mean, we were a part of it, but they asked us. They basically like, because we had a Discord. We're like, you know what? Everything Web3 is community. Let's launch a Discord. So we did that a few months into our podcast. We were like, let's see who's actually listening to our podcast. They all came in. We started chatting with them all and kind of, you know, having some fun with them and just like having some good learning experiences with them. And they were like, well, why don't we launch a DAO? We got, we want to help you guys build. Like, okay. So we're actually launching two products over the next probably two months here. And we're doing a rev share model with our DAO and they're going to help us launch these like premium products for our newsletter. So it's actually super cool. I am so fascinated by all these different business models. You know, we're recording this just after uh, I finished up our crypto business conference and so many of the businesses are in the Web3 world are starting with like NFTs or they're, they're moving towards DAOs, which I think is fascinating, right? And it's so ridiculously complex. And we've covered quite a few. We had Jess Loss, the founder of uh, Seed Club on here, which is like a Y Combinator of uh, DAOs and stuff. And it's just a fascinating new world, right? Like a lot of businesses are going to be like these co-op, if you will, kind of opportunity, which is just blows my mind. Since you're covering the business world and you're covering creators and all that stuff, what do you want to say to businesses and creators that are listening about why they might want to consider Web3? Because so many of us that have been successful in business, like you with your company, my me with my company, and so many others that are listening, it's just like 
hard to wrap your brain around what this could mean for businesses and creators. What sh why should they pay attention? Yeah, it's a great question. I think to simplify it, there's sort of two unlocks here that are happening with Web3, in my opinion. The first is ownership. So digital ownership, which we never really had previously. So you couldn't really own anything on the internet because everything had to be stored in a server of a centralized company, right? Your content and your data and your followers on Facebook are owned by Facebook. Your money is not, you don't actually own that, it's in a bank account. You wanna send money to someone else, you need to use a third party like Stripe or PayPal or whatever, right? So we didn't really have any ownership of anything. And now all of a sudden we do. And this is a huge, and this can be in the form of a fungible token or a non-fungible token. And what ownership does is really changes it changes the incentives models for people. And so if you think about in the Web2 world, you have an audience, you have customers, whatever, they're not incentivized to help you in any way, right? Whether you're Nike or Adidas, or you're a creator that has like a, I don't know, a Substack newsletter, you know, they might like to pay for your content, but ask them to help you build an app or to help you build something else. And your customers are never going to do that. Why would they? Well, now all of a sudden we can tokenize our business in a very easy way. And it's accessible to anyone around the world. And so if you have an audience or a customer base, well, you can share revenues to them, right? Because they can take ownership via an NFT. And now all of a sudden you can take a passive community or an audience and turn them into like an active contributor, right? So people who actually want to go and build or contribute and support you, and you can reward them for that. And to me, that is an absolute incredible unlock that we just never have had before. So that's obviously your kind of DAO idea here. Uh, and I think that is just huge to really change the dynamics of you and your customer or you and your subscriber or whatever you want to call it, right? You know, I have a little bit of thoughts on this. One of the things I heard at my conference that just ended a few days ago was that back in the olden days, there was open source software movements, okay? And people would just con contribute software just out of the goodness of their heart and they would never get paid, but they did it for the cause, right? Now this whole open source movement can be tokenized, right? And there can be financial incentives and that actually changes the incentive right now all of a sudden you're not just a contributor to quote unquote the code whatever that means you know fill code with company or concept but you're actually someone who has a incentive to actually do it right financially incentive right and that that ownership is programmable too so it's not even just financial incentives you can now program in like voting and governance to help you make decisions on where things goes you can use those tokens to like i don't know give access to certain things on the internet or you can use it you can do so many things with it so it's like it's just a whole new dynamic and it's really really cool and then i think the other unlock here with web3 is the interoperability aspect of this so an NFT, people think they're just these like JPEGs and whatever. Really, it's just an interoperability uh, standard, right? So in the Web2 world, it's very difficult for me to have, let's say a customer signs up for my, I don't know, Substack newsletter. It's hard for me to then go and give them a nice experience over on like Discord or in Zoom or somewhere else, right? Because in order for that to happen, those platforms have to build an API. They have to connect into these certain companies. It has to tell them that this person's paying for my product over here. And so give them access over here. And that's a pain. And for the most part, it doesn't really work. Like try building an API that connects into Facebook. It's not happening, right? And so what Web3 does though is because of this ownership where you just hold these things in your wallet that you connect and disconnect into different applications, that NFT or those tokens they act as sort of an interoperability standard because now any app that I connect into in Web3, it can read that and go, oh, you have that token? Okay, you get to see this in this app or you get to do this or you get this discount or you can access this event and so on and so forth. And so it's actually going to completely change the way that we use the internet. 
And it's going to allow for much better digital experiences across the entire internet instead of being stuck to one platform. And that to me is super exciting. How bullish are you on this? <laughs> I'm just curious because like, there's a lot of technological innovations that you've seen and I've seen in my lifetime. Like, where do you, where does this rank in your opinion for business? For business? I mean, I'm, I mean, I've pivoted my whole business. I just started a new business in it. So like I'm as bullish as it gets in terms of the technology and in terms of what it like unlocks for, for business in general. I think it just does, it does everything. When you go down the rabbit hole, that's the thing is you're like, oh, it's about money. And then you're like, oh no, it's not. It's about governance. You're like, oh no, it's not. It's about easier payment rails. Oh no, it's not. It's about, you know, ownership. It's about IP. It's like, you just keep going down. You're like, it really changes everything. Well, and it's also about evangelism too and marketing, right? Like you become an owner, all of a sudden you feel like you want to tell all your friends about it. It's, it's like you bought a brand new car, you know, and you love it. You're going to let everybody know about it. And this is, it's a marketing unlock too, don't you think? Absolutely. The network effects in this space are insane because we're all incentivized to go and tell other people about it because more people who come in, the more money we all make, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Okay, so so this is all about creating a sustainable business model with Web3, this conversation, right? So there's probably people that have been listening to this show and they've been reading your newsletter for a while and listening to your show. But, you know, still they're like a little overwhelmed, right? Because it's for sure overwhelming, right? So what do we need to be thinking about before we start into this space? Because obviously you can make a lot of mistakes in this space, right? So where do we? what's the foundational thing we need to start with if we're going to go down this world of Web3 business? I mean, the first thing is kind of obvious, but for whatever reason in Web3, it wasn't very obvious, I don't think, in 2020, 2021. But if you want to build a business, whether it's Web3 or otherwise, you need to provide an actual product or service that solves a problem for humans, right? If you don't actually solve a problem for someone, then you're not going to have a business long term. I think a lot of what happened in Web3 of the last few years, they they forgot that part. Like, oh, you need a real product here. You need a real service. So number one, like you need product market fit. You need something that's going to change someone's life or make their lives better or easier or whatever. So that's the starting point. Let's talk about that, though, because just because you can do it on the blockchain or with Web3, with NFTs, doesn't mean you should, right? 100%. Absolutely. There's actually a lot of models that, and this is kind of what I've been breaking down recently and just wrote a long three-series article about, was do we should we even be tokenizing all of our communities like does it really make sense sometimes giving ownership isn't really a good idea right and so i don't think everything needs to be on the blockchain though a lot of things can and probably will be on the blockchain because it's going to make commerce more global more easier cheaper etc so like i think we will use it all it's just i don't think we quite know exactly how to just yet okay so first of all you got to solve a legit problem and you're about to say what's next the next thing is, and this is again, you would use this in web two again, is you need eyeballs to see this product. How do you do that? You build an audience, right? I think the number one way that you're going to build a business in today's world is creating content. And we happen to live in this wonderful world where we have all these social platforms that we can, people hate the social platforms because they, you know, they do things with our data and whatever else, but it's a free platform that you can produce content and get hundreds of thousands or millions of followers for free. It costs you nothing. That to me is like incredible. So I'm actually, I still like Web 2. Web 2 is great. And in Web 3, whatever you're trying to do in Web 3, you still need that. You need an audience, whether you want to launch an NFT collection, you want to tokenize, I don't know, your business with social tokens, whatever. You still need an audience or a community. And the way you do that really is around content creation. So for me, I think the best place to start is start creating content around whatever the problem is that you're solving, whatever that product's going to be. You create content and you build an audience because when you go to launch an NFT, or when you go to launch a token, or 
I mean, Web3 is all about community, right? Because it's about ownership. When you go to make a community, the easiest way to do that is by having an audience and then converting them into a nice community, right? So you still got to get those eyeballs. And so content creation for me is still the biggest thing, no matter what. Well, and the great news for those of you that are listening to this podcast that may not know, we're owned by Social Media Examiner and Social Media Examiner teaches you how to use content marketing and how to create stuff on the socials to build an audience. The good news is there's there's enormous free resources out there on how to do that. That is nowhere near as complicated <laughs> as everything else we're going to be talking about. That's the easy part, right? But But I'm with you. So many of these projects fail because they just put out an NFT and nobody buys it because they don't have an audience, right? Right. Absolutely. Either that, they don't have an audience or the other part of it. And this is the other thing you need to think about when you're going to Web3 is you really need to build a strong community. So not like an audience is, you know, us on a podcast right now speaking to, you know, however many people, that's an audience, right? They can't speak back to us. They can't speak to each other. A community is when those that I'm speaking to can speak with me as well. And we can all speak with each other. And that's where you start to build these sort of like network effects and you start to have these like stronger connections where people are sticky and they actually stay in your business or in your whatever it is you're creating, right? And community is very important when it comes to ownership because if someone's going to buy your NFT, you want them to hold on to that because you're hoping that that NFT goes up in price or your tokens go up in price. It's like when you're trying to get investors for your business, you want people who really believe in what you're doing and want to you know, be part of it because they're going to hold on to the equity and not sell it. It's important that you have this community. And so you don't need Web3 stuff to build community. You can do that on I don't know, Discord or on you know even Twitter, I guess, or Slack or Facebook groups. I think community is the other kind of final thing that you need to be thinking about before you're going to dip your toes in launching anything in the Web3 space. Perfect. So we talked about how you got to solve a problem, you got to build an audience, and really you got to, you got to build a community within that audience, which is ideally an interactive community. So let's talk about business models. What are the business models that work in Web3? And maybe you could talk about what's wrong with some of the current models and maybe some of the newer models that you're seeing that seem to work. I mean, the big playbook that's happened over the last two years has been, you know, let's just launch a collection of, I don't know why, but 10,000 is what everyone seems to be doing. I have no idea why that number is, but let's launch a collection of 10,000 NFTs and, you know, hope everyone buys it. And then we will build a business around that, right? So usually it's you launch these NFTs, it hopefully sells out. You token gate a Discord community so that you know only those with the NFT can come in the Discord. And then like let's see what happens. The the big players in the space, like Moonbirds and Gary Vee, were like, we're gonna build a metaverse or we're gonna build a movie and a brand like the next Disney. Most of them are like, we're just gonna build a community and we'll see where it goes. Now I'm starting to look at that and go, is that really a sustainable business model? Because I mean, in 2020, 2021, sure, you could raise a lot of money, but where does the revenue come after that? That's the part where I was like, I don't quite understand what's going on here. And I think a lot of communities in the space who did this and they, they launched NFT, they're realizing, you know, one, their assets are only have had value because most of them have gone to next to nothing because they were propped up by speculators and traders. They weren't people who actually were part of their community and wanted to help them, you know, build the next whatever they're going to build. Then I think they realized building with community is actually friggin' hard. It is not easy to build with a thousand or ten thousand strangers on the internet. Uh, it's actually way harder than just building a business with you and like I don't know a tight knit group. And the final thing is they're all realizing they don't have any ongoing revenue, right? Like we launched this, it sold out. That's it. Where's the rest of it? And so the difference here is like in a Web two world, if you're a creator, typically you launch I don't know, it could be a course, could be a community, could be a a newsletter. And these all are kind of memberships. This is usually the way that you monetize a community. And this is a subscription model where someone's paying every single month. 
to consume your content, which is all fine and dandy. But a lot of creators over the last little bit have gone and said, okay, well, we're going to do this NFT thing because it's cool. And so they launched it and they're like, okay, well, now I don't know where I make any more money. Now what do I do? I just kind of, you know, blew everything I had for, with my audience or my potential customers and I have nothing after that. So now they're going, okay, well, I have to build with my community and hope that we build the next thing, you know, and then we can get more people to, to buy whatever it is, the next token or something. Let's dig in on this a little bit because right now, a lot of these people are banking on creator fees, right? Which is the ongoing fee that OpenSea, Magic Eden, and others will pay that happens on the secondary market. But the challenge is OpenSea could say, we're not going to do creator fees anymore. And all of a sudden, because they're a centralized platform, because they're competing against some of these other platforms that are not, that are offering like, like X2, Y2, or whatever, that give you the option to pay or not pay the creator fee. So all of a sudden that recurring revenue model could be completely destroyed, right? So then all of a sudden you got to keep launching projects, which takes down the value of the main project potentially, right? I mean, this is the challenge you're talking about, right? Well, even like the royalty business, I mean, yeah, it can be lucrative, but it's also counterintuitive to what you're trying to build. If you're trying to build a community, you want people to stick around and build these tight connections. That's the whole point and build together. Yet then your only revenue stream is people actually leaving your community because the only way you would make money on a royalty is actually them selling it. That's a good so point. Like, yeah. Right. It doesn't really make any sense. So to me, I'm like, we don't want to do that. You want to align the incentives with your community. And this is the exact opposite. So I actually hate that model. And like you said, it might not even be a thing. I mean, it's not enforceable on the blockchain. So it might not even be a thing in the future. We'll see. Then you got to go, okay, well, how are we going to make money here? And the hope is, okay, well, maybe the DAO or this like community builds something together and we like launch some new product. But I mean, the chances of that are very, very slim. We know how hard it is to build an actual a product in, in the real world, in Web2. Imagine now doing it with strangers. So it's okay, well, what can we do here? And this is what I really dove into recently. There's a few different things you can do. Um, and so I can, you want me to just walk yeah, through some of yeah, these right see, now? Let's hear them, yeah. Okay, so without relying on royalties, one of the things you can do is when you launch, let's say this 10,000 uh, collection of NFTs, you could launch just 9,000 and hold on to 1,000 of those. You launch your 9,000, you make your, you know, your money on that. Everyone starts building together. And so long as you keep the value of those NFTs, over time, you can just slowly sell those NFTs that you hold. So you hold a thousand of them. Who was it who did this? Larva Labs, who was the creator of like CryptoPunks and MeBits. They did this with CryptoPunks. They saved, I think it was a thousand. And they would, whenever they needed funding, they would just sell a few onto the secondary market. And that would earn them some revenues. It's kind of like having equity in your company and just like selling it as you go, right? Which makes sense. It's a very normal business model. Just real quick on this. So what I think I'm hearing you say is look, like when you open up your initial mint, right? And you you go ahead and you only allow like 9,000 out of the 10,000 to be minted. And then you assign the remaining 1,000 to your own account, right? Is that the idea? So there's still 10,000 out there. They're just 10% uh, of them are owned by the entity that started the NFT project. And then... What I'm hearing you say is you can use these as rewards for people, right? You can use them as incentives. You can use them as payments. You can use them to raise funds if it goes up or down, or you can just hold them. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? It's exactly it. And you can do, I mean, you, you can either be just for you because you're the creator that got all this going, or you could share some of those with the treasury of those people who took your NFT, like of your token holders, right? And now they have some funds and some value so that they could maybe sell them and go build products or whatever, right? Kind of depends on how you want to do it, if your community really wants to build you or not, but it's a secondary source of revenue, but it's, it's really selling equity is, is kind of how it is. Well, and I really like this model a lot because it's not necessarily devaluing, even if you did a 3,000 collection and you decided to only sell 2,000 of them, you know what I mean? 
everybody knows there's 3,000, right? The point is that a third of them are controlled by you. You know what I mean? And then over time, you can just, like you said, put them up at whatever the price is to generate more revenue for, and you own 100% of it at that point. As long as you don't dump all of them at one time, you're probably not going to lower the floor price kind of thing. So like, I think you have to be strategic in it. And the way that Larva Labs did it is they sold a few and then they actually, when they got required by Yuga Labs, the, the founders of Board at Yacht Club, 500 of them were included in that. So we don't know how much they got, some odd hundreds of million. What Larva, were they the ones with Top Shots and CryptoKitties? That's them, right? Isn't it? Or is that some? No, they created CryptoPunks and MeBits in Autoglyphs. Oh, CryptoPunks. Okay. They're kind of the OGs. So they held some some MeBits and CryptoPunks for themselves is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. And then part of when they got acquired, they sold 500 of those CryptoPunks as part of that deal. Ah. So... And that's how they made so much. So it was actually quite quite smart for them. Now it's not easy to keep your NFT, you know, having high value. So you're it's a risk. It's almost like building a business, taking no salary, and just like relying on equity. Which I mean, hey, that's how entrepreneurs work. So it's it's not a terrible idea, to be completely honest. I like that. So what are some other ways that we can? What are the models you're seeing? So the other model that I've seen a lot of, well, quite a bit do over the last couple of years is they launch a second token and. I don't love this. When you say token, do you mean NFT? Could be either. Could be NFT, could be could be a fungible token. I mean, for example, Board Ape Yacht Club launched Mutant Yacht Club, and then they launched a fungible token of uh, ApeCoin, right? Yeah, and so you can do it either way. My only thing with this is when you launch your first NFT collection, if you're not in a speculative mania of the last two years, so let's void everything that happened there, it is really hard in normal times to keep the value of these NFTs, of your equity of your company, right? And to build something that is worth value with all these strangers, right? With your community, let's call it. And all of a sudden, when you launch a second one, yes, you might be able to raise a bunch of money if your audience is big enough, you'll get a bunch of other people who might want it or who will speculate. And so, okay, you do raise some money there. But what you've done is now you have two communities or AKA you could think of them as two businesses with a lot of people in them that now you have to deal with and try to generate value from. That is not easy. So most people who did this over the last two years, it actually failed. The second one didn't work out that well. They've kind of gone to zero, except for like the OGs of like CryptoPunks making their MeBits and Board Ape Yacht Club making their Mutant Ape Yacht Club. But there's not many others that have done this and succeeded. Yeah, we should probably talk about this a little bit because World of Women did this with their World of Women Galaxy, right? They launched a 20,000 right. collection and they gave one to each of the original holders of the 10,000 and they auctioned off the remaining and what happened was the world of women became super valuable right up until launch and then all of a sudden it dropped and 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 the galaxy dropped even more uh moonbirds which i happen to hold uh quite a few moonbirds did it with oddities right so they partnered with the founder of nouns gremlin and they co-created oddities but they did it intentionally because they wanted to expand the community right so sometimes it could be a strategic objective right like now the oddities people get into the same discord as the moonbirds people and they have slightly different advantages but they that is that could be a strategic way to essentially take a small community and expand it i don't know what are your thoughts uh, agreed i think the key is don't launch a second token if you're doing it because your existing community just needs revenue right. if you're doing that it's going to set you up for failure do it if you're, that business is going well and you're ready to expand and grow, which I mean, Kevin Rose and Moonbirds, he's got a massive audience. They were ready, right? So they could do it. And they have a massive team to manage these two groups. So it's, it's easier. But if you're like a one-person creator, trying to like, even we have a DAO and it's, 
when it first there was a few hundreds of people in there, it's much lower than that now. And that's even hard to try to like get them on their feet and get things organized. And so like, you're basically trying to run two business at one time. To me, that's just. Yep. Okay. So avoid launching a second collection or a token. What should we do instead? I mean, we've, this is a model is what you're saying, but you, you suggest proceed with caution. Is that what I'm hearing you say on this model? I do for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think the best way is the best thing to understand here is like, if you're a creator, you have people in your audience or in your community who want to just consume. They don't want to build with you. They don't have the time to go and build a product with you uh, and contribute and helping you with your marketing or development or whatever, right? They just want to consume your content. And so they don't care about these like DAOs and sort of like all the stuff you're doing over there. They just want to consume. And so none of these models give a good commerce or a good product to those people. And the, the reason that is true is when you launch an NFT, especially if it's like a limited amount, there's a lot of people in there that are doing it because they want to build with you or they want to speculate. And then the price of that is so high that you're excluding so many people from being a part of your business or consuming your content, whatever that is, right? And so now you've like, you've kind of really made your customer base very small. And there's a bunch of people who just are not never going to do that because they don't really care. And so one of the things that I think is you should separate your audience and understand you're going to have an audience who just wants to consume and you're going to have one who wants to build and grow with you. And so the ones who want to build and grow with you, launch your NFT collection to them. Okay, that's great. They'll take ownership and they'll want to build with you. Then what you can do for the other group over here is do the Web2 model and launch a subscription model to them. And what you can do is the first group over here that you built that had the, the scarce amount of NFTs that's going to build with you, share some revenues of the subscription group with that group. And now they can help you build that model. They can help you create content. Maybe they'll develop your site for you. They'll help you market it. They'll help you do all the things you need. So you sort of like built two products in one here and you're just, your community is already going to be built of both of these people and you need to service both of them. Do you have a name for this model, this concept we're talking about? Not really. We talked about this cohort thing. Is this the same thing? This cohort based NFT thing? Cohort is when we get into like the intricacies of the NFT okay. memberships, which we'll right. get into. Well, let, let, let's pause here for a second. I love this. What I hear you say is like, Hey, you could launch an NFT project with a very small amount of people and people that really want to be part of something, right? And in exchange for them investing in this NFT with you, one of the, you don't have to announce this to them, but one of the benefits could be, hey, if you help me build this thing, um, what we're going to do is maybe issue you a builder free NFT kind of thing, right? And anybody who has this NFT and holds this NFT is going to get X percent of the profits on launch day or something like that, right? Some sort of financial advantage, because we're going to build a web two something, but we're going to use web three to fund it. And I don't know, I'm just getting creative with you, but that's a way that you could get them to stick, right? Like they get, exactly. They get, it doesn't have to be forever either. It could just be from your first year or your first month or something like that. Right. The thing is, if you're going to launch an NFT or a collection of some sort, it's because you're, you're going to do it to give ownership so that these people will help you build. You don't need to launch an NFT collection to a bunch of people who are just your audience who consume your content. It's actually a bad business model to do that. The Web2 models are much better. But if they want to build with you, which is great, this is a massive unlock. All of a sudden, you can have thousands of people who want to help you with your business. If you're a musician and you're just starting out, like how incredible would that be? Oh, I got thousands of people who are going to help me market my music or I'm an artist, same thing. Like it's huge unlock for creators to just all of a sudden you go, hey, you guys, my big fans in the very beginning of my career, you guys back me and you, you like what I'm doing. Okay, well, you guys have a bunch of experience and skill sets here at NFT, help me fund this. And then like, I'll share my future revenues with you kind of thing. That to me, incredible, absolutely incredible way to do it. 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, so the sustainable revenue is really coming from the idea that they're going to help you build the thing, hopefully for less than it would cost you to build it, or they're going to help you market the thing, right? And and that other thing that you build is really where the money is going to be coming from. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say on this? Exactly. So for most content creators, they're going to continue to create content, right? Regardless of what that DAO does or that you know collection of NFTs, what they do, if they end up building or not, you're still probably going to keep producing content, writing your newsletter, doing your courses or whatever it is that you're doing. And so you want revenue from those. And that's where the memberships come in. And you can, again, share those revenues over to the other group, the other collection. Now, what's really cool here that I was looking into is right now, most memberships or subscriptions are done via like Stripe, right? You put in your credit card, and it takes out a bit every single month. What you can do now is NFT-based memberships. And so what's cool, and this is one of the things where you're like, well, does everything have to be on the blockchain? This one I actually really, really like. It's kind of cool. So there is now the technology where you can launch an NFT, and if you hold that NFT, it automatically takes X amount from your wallet, right? So same with signing up with a credit card, but in this instance, it's now an NFT. And what's cool about that is one, the interoperability. So again, I kind of talked about the problem of this early on is like, if someone signs up for my premium newsletter, I can't give them a good experience. Wait, is this like a monthly subscription model almost with NFTs? Exactly. What's the, what's the tech that enables that? The way that we have done it and the way that I've seen it is via Unlock Protocol. So Unlock Protocol is kind of like an open source protocol where they're building uh, memberships. And it's basically just an NFT, but in the smart contract, you have to, when you buy that NFT, you have to approve X amount of reoccurring subscriptions that come out. Yeah, we had Jillian Genestu, the founder of that, on our podcast. And we just were hanging out with Christopher Carfi or Chaffee. I can't remember how to say his name from Unlock a few days ago. And this is fascinating, right? Because the idea that you can now set up recurring income coming in from the Unlock protocol is pretty freaking powerful. I'm glad that's what it was. Go ahead and finish whatever you're going to say there. And then I want to get to this cohort thing too, is because I want to talk about that too. So the only thing I just want to say is like, why an NFT, right? This is what most people say when it comes to memberships. And the, the cool thing about this one is the interoperability. So I already talked about that, you know, in the beginning of the episode where if I sign up for my premium newsletter on Substack, I can't give a good experience over on Discord or Zoom. I can't gate that, but you can do that with an NFT. So, okay, easy there. The other nice thing is if I buy a yearly membership, let's say to Netflix or whatever, and I want to cancel it, well, I've already, and let's say I cancel it one month into, into my membership. Well, now I'm kind of just stuck with all that that I paid before. I just lose out. There's nothing I can do there, right? I don't get that back. They're not going to refund me, whatever. But if it's an NFT, and let's say maybe there's a scarce supply to it, or even if there's not a scarce supply to it, I can go and sell that NFT to someone on the secondary marketplace. And I can do it at a discount because maybe it was I don't know, $250 a year. And you know I'm only one month into it. I can go sell it to someone for 100 bucks. And instead of them going and buying it from the creator, they'll buy it from me because it's way cheaper and they still get 11 months left. You've now created this sort of like open marketplace for your subscription. So that's really cool. But then you can get into some really interesting things with these cohort-based NFTs. What this is, is if you launch your membership and instead of it being unlimited, like it is when you use like a Stripe membership right now for most businesses in Web2, what you can do is launch... I don't know, let's say it's the first time you're going to launch a, let's use Substack, for example, because it's so popular, right? And you want to launch a premium subscription model to your, your newsletter. Instead of it just being unlimited and anyone can buy, you could launch the first one to 500 people at, I don't know, $5 a month, right? And so let's say that sells out. Now, let's say your audience has continued to grow and you want more people to come in. Well, now I can launch another one and maybe it's to another thousand people, but this time it's at $10 a month right? And I can keep increasing my rates or give different features and different things based off the NFT they have in their wallet. And now what happens if, if someone, let's say that first 500, right? It's only five bucks a month. And all of a sudden the other things you're selling are now more expensive. People are going to want to buy that cheaper one 
because it's only five bucks a month. So the value of buying that NFT is actually going to start to go up because there's only 500 of them and it's cheaper to pay your monthly fee. So all of a sudden you have this like new dynamic of this marketplace of these different tiers of your subscriptions at different prices and the monthly amount stays the same, but the value of the NFT to actually buy that can go up and down depending on how many people want in, depending on who's selling and who's not selling because you kind of have the supply and demand effect to it now. So it, it really changes the model of, of NFT or story of memberships in general. This It sounds a little confusing to be honest with you. So how is this enabled? Is this an unlock protocol thing as well or is this something else? It's an unlock protocol thing as well, yeah. Yeah, so give me an example. Like give me, an, just because I, I think I might've not been able to track completely. So like I start with 500 of these things. Like what, the word cohort, like why is that word in there? And help me understand how all that connects here. Yeah, for sure. So the reason you would do a cohort is one, when you sell things online, like digital products, it's nice to have a, a either time limit that someone has to purchase by or only a certain amount that people can purchase because it creates urgency. So it actually makes people kind of FOMO into your products, right? This is why people run discounts and things like that. So a cohort sort of enables that, which one thing is good. But the other thing that happens with a lot of businesses, especially in subscriptions, is over time, you continue to add more value to that membership. And so you want to increase your prices. And so oftentimes you'll see Maybe a, a newsletter used to be $10 a month, and then they added a new feature, so now it's $12 a month, and then it's $14 a month. And you can, you can see they continue to increase, right? Most subscription or SaaS models do this. And so that's how you can kind of treat this cohort is once you're like, oh, I've added in more value, I want to bring in more people, I can launch another NFT membership model, but it's at a different rate or a different price or it has different features. And so each subscription that someone buys into is either a different price or it's going to offer different benefits. And you see this with typical SaaS models, right? Anytime you're going to buy a piece of tech, you might get the premium one or the pro version or the enterprise version. So it's the same sort of thing. The difference is this is in a form of NFT, so it can be sold in secondary markets if you're done with that subscription. Got it. So I think what I'm hearing you say, and we, you know, we, we have a social media marketing society and, you know, in the early days, it was only $30 a month, like five years ago, you know, now it's like a hundred bucks a month. Right. But people can't resell that, right? They can simply cancel it. And if they cancel it, they got to come back in at the higher price, right? So what I'm hearing in your case, if the, with the cohort model, those NFTs can still be sold to anyone else and someone could sell one of those cheaper. But what you're saying is when you launch the new ones, it's just a higher price, right? So technically someone could go sell one of those old ones for cheaper than buying the new ones and then get in the secondary market. Is that the idea here? I mean, it, it is. And yes, it creates this weird kind of dynamic to understand, but basically there's two price points. There's the price to own and hold the NFT. And then there's the price to pay the reoccurring membership month over month. And they don't have to be the same, right? So I could launch 10 NFTs at $1 a month for a product that's worth way more. And I would bet that the value of those things go way up because someone who wants to hold on to that and be a part of my subscription for the next 10 years, they'd pay $1,000 for that $1 a month, right? Because in the long term, it's actually way cheaper. And then I could take a royalty off of that if I really wanted to. Absolutely fascinating. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about saving some NFTs for yourself. We've talked about launching a secondary token or NFT, which you don't advise. We've talked about incentivizing members when you launch by maybe giving them some sort of a percentage of the of a web two product that you're launching. We've talked about these cohort based models. Is there anything else that we're missing as far as new business models? What do you think about that concept of DAOs though? Like, you know, where people are literally taking a portion of the money, like what Nouns is doing. Are you familiar with what they're doing? Yeah, what they're doing is great. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Is that a sustainable business model? So this comes down to basically what you're talking about is when you launch an NFT, you typically earn a lot of money right at the beginning, right? Because everyone kind of bought there. So you kind of have some options. You can either 
take that money yourself, right? And be like, okay, sweet. I, I did this. I built this big community and I'm going to take my money and do my thing with it. Or you could share that with your community, right? With the DAO, we can call it, and basically fund them or incentivize them to start building. And either it's like, hey, take this X amount and you know 30% of whatever we minted, and now it's part of your treasury. Or you can start to use that funding for people who do certain things and take certain actions inside of the DAO, right? So you can use that to sort of fund and sort of activate the community to start moving forward. That I think is really important and really good because again, if you're giving ownership to people, it's because you're trying to build something with them. So you will probably want to incentivize them in some way. And of course, giving you know them a treasury is a great way to do that. As for other models though, I don't know enough yet. There's there's just so many things that we're- They're popping up all over the place, aren't they? That's what I mean. We're just experimenting and innovating. And like even this cohort-based NFTs, there's one case that I've seen of someone doing this called Bakery DAO. It's very, very interesting. That was where I first saw it. We're about to launch something similar to this as well. There's just so much innovation, experimentation. We got to just keep trying to stay on, on top of it all and trying to see what's actually going to work and what's not. Because I'm sure there's other people doing things that I haven't even seen. There's fractionalizing your NFTs. You could launch a fungible token. Like It's crazy what all you can do here. Yeah, and what the Moonbirds have done is they've started a DAO and they funded it with $2.7 million and they got $61 million in their initial mint. And then they're also putting 31 Moonbirds in there that they're actually buying on the secondary market. And, the, and my understanding is the main purpose of the DAO is to proliferate the Moonbirds brand. You know what I mean? So they have to put up proposals. Moonbirds can veto these proposals, but they put up these proposals. And then once they're approved, then the funds are released to go out and do whatever's necessary to proliferate the brand. You know what I mean? And that's kind of cool because that's like they're funding their own essentially DAO, their members to essentially help grow the brand. And that's exactly what Nouns is doing too, right? Nouns takes huge chunks of their money into this. The only goal of Nouns is DAO is to basically proliferate worldwide domination of Nouns. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's 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 cool. It's crazy, isn't it? It's just nuts. It, it is. I mean, it's it's you can either build alone or you can build with those who like what you're doing, and that's what Web three unlocks. And to me, that's just amazing. Well, Kyle, uh, this has been absolutely fascinating dialogue. If people want to check you out, do you have a particular preferred social platform? And then how do they find uh, your Web3 Academy. Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, check me out there. It's just my name, Kyle Reedhead, which is uh, K-Y-L-E-R-E-I-D-H-E-A-D. And you can give me a follow there. Otherwise, check out our, our newsletter. Just go to w3academy.io and you can sign up for our newsletter there. You can get access to our podcast and everything you need there. And that's kind of the best the best place to, to find us. Kyle Reedhead, thank you so much for answering all my questions. I'm sure people's minds are blown. I know I've got a lot going on here now based on everything you just shared with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on here. And uh, I love what you're doing. Love the show. Keep going, man. I love it. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C45. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us and let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. 
Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.